This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's 2FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joel Adinsami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorj, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org. We're delighted to welcome to this program Michigan State Senator Eric Nesbitt, President Pro Tempore. Eric Nesbitt grew up as the middle child on a six-generation family farm in West Michigan. Nesbitt served as the House Majority Floor Leader and Chair of the House Committee on Energy and Technology. Senator Eric Nesbitt, we welcome you to America's Roundtable. Welcome. Welcome, Senator Nesbitt. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, Joel and Natasha. I look forward to talking about the uh, issues that matter. On election integrity in America and the sanctity of the ballot, according to a published report, researchers from a university consortium of Northwestern, Harvard, Northeastern, Rutgers surveyed more than 24,000 individuals across the nation between November 3 and 30th of 2020. And I quote, On the issue of public concern about mail-in fraud, 85% of Republicans and 38% of Democrats were concerned, unquote. And back in January, a University of Georgia Atlanta Journal-Constitution poll found out that 74% of registered voters in Georgia backed requiring voters to include a copy of their voter ID. And across America, this basic step is being affirmed by the vast majority of voters. And in fact, a new Fox News poll released this past week, Monday, finds 77% of voters nationally think a valid form of state or federally issued voter photo identification to prove U.S. citizenship should be needed for voting. Senator Nesbitt, we were just reviewing and also interviewing a number of leaders from different parts of the world, and we found out that the largest democracy in the world, India, a nation of 1.4 billion people and 900 million voters, countries like Israel, Germany, France, and even our neighbors on the South, Argentina, Brazil, and Mexico, all require voter ID and are staying away from mail-in votes. And as we look at the elections coming up in 2022 and 2024, can you share about your leadership efforts in Michigan to ensure election integrity in 2022, which is a concern for Michigan voters, and I might add, the rest of America's voters concerned about the sanctity of the ballot? Ensuring election integrity is really a critical responsibility of government. We know that that the basis of any democratic republic such as our own is the sanctity of the voting box. One legal person voting equals one legal vote equals one legal vote counted. This last few months, the uh, Michigan Senate Oversight Committee has reviewed nearly 3,000 pages of subpoenaed documents and 400 pages of testimony, held over 30 hours of hearings, heard testimony from nearly 90 people to learn about how best to improve Michigan's election process making it harder to cheat, easier to vote, improving security and efficiency in the system. And this thorough effort really led 
uh, my colleagues and I, uh, we introduced uh, actually a 39-bill election integrity plan a few weeks ago. And the areas of focus of the specific legislation really include protecting your vote, increasing transparency, and improving election day efficiency. And so just a few of those highlights, it's like what you mentioned is requiring a photo ID to vote in person and to request an absentee ballot. Really common sense idea, something that a vast majority of Americans, as you just stated, support it. A majority of African Americans, a majority of Hispanics support it. Nearly three to one margins for with independence. It's really a common sense uh, issue. I mean, I, I used my photo ID twice uh, yesterday to go into the doctor's office and another time picking up a, a frame at a local shop. The goal is, is that if don't have a photo ID in this day and age. Let's work to make sure that people have it if they're over 18 so they're able to bank and travel. It's just unbelievable what these woke corporations are doing against such common sense legislation like this. But it also includes things like providing a clear process to remove dead voters, deceased voters from the qualified voter file here in Michigan, and to keep these files constantly updated to make sure that they're Michigan residents. Very common sense. Establish a clear chain of custody for handling absentee ballots, including prohibiting absentee ballot drop boxes on, on Election Day. If you're dropping them off on Election Day, drop them off whether people are voting and actually vote in, in person. Banning mass mailing of these absentee ballot applications. We saw this last year where a Democratic Secretary of State sent out nearly 7 million absentee ballot applications uh, where we figure about five to 700,000 people were, of these applications were sent to people that either died moved out of the state and moved to other places. I was having uh, former constituents of mine that live in Ohio now or Oregon saying they got uh, applications there that's wrong and needs to stop and really implement a strong signature verification requirements to make sure that, that they match. Part of the increasing transparency, things like requiring openness and observation of in-person and with live video feed along with allowing video recording of the vote tabulation and audit activities, provide that transparency for folks. Mandate at least one canvasser from each party can observe the process so that we don't see what we saw last year of you know, my wife, for example, was at the TCF Center in Detroit, and she saw people being locked out. out. And also, uh, whenever they kicked out a, a Republican uh, observer or poll challenger, that she saw folks cheering. That's wrong. There needs to be full transparency in the process. And also allow these election observers close enough to read poll books, tabulators, and other election documents. So things like improving election day efficiency that I think is important so that we don't have lines. I think it's important that, that we vote efficiently and that we know what the results are on election night instead of three weeks later like you see in California or three months later like you saw in, in New York State. Allowing for pre-processing of absentee ballots to speed up results on election night like how Florida does it. Require challengers to properly identify themselves placing the rights of poll watchers and challengers in-state law and ensuring a, a balanced partisan ratio. So these are areas we're, we're working on. We're pushing strongly for these crucial common sense and election integrity uh, reforms. Our, our former Secretary of State, who's now in the state Senate, chairs the Senate Elections Committee, and she's currently uh, working on holding hearings and processing these common sense bills. Senator Nesbitt, in order to ensure election integrity, you were calling for a full independent audit of the state's election prior to election results being certified by November 23 last year. It is also a common sense to ask for verification of the election results. And Senator Nesbitt, why did Michigan not embark on the full and independent audit of the state's election? Yeah, that, that's what we were calling for in, in the letter that I had uh, dozens of my colleagues sign back in, in November. Uh, we're still 
pushing for a full independent audit. They did do what they called a process audit where they picked certain precincts around the state. But again, that was administered under the Secretary of State's office. I'm still pushing for a full independent audit. That's what we're continuing to work on. But it is something where we got to make sure that every legal vote is counted once and that we ensure that transparency. And this really brings me back to even before the general election of last year, even in the August 2020 primary election, the issues that came up that we saw, for example, 72% of Detroit's absentee county boards could not be reconciled in the August primary election. 46% of all precincts in the city of Detroit could not be reconciled. And in Michigan law, precincts that aren't reconciled cannot be recounted. 73 absentee precincts were off by more than five votes without any explanation. And the State Board of Canvassers last year in a bipartisan vote demanded that the Democrat Secretary of State must do a better job ensuring processes are followed in Detroit. So this was even before the general election. And our Democrat lieutenant governor here in Michigan ran for clerk in the city of Detroit in 2017 because of the failures of the system in 2016. So we're really trying to make sure that we bring up systematic reforms to make sure that of the accuracy of our elections and make sure that the people have faith in them. Fortunately, we stopped a lot of the most egregious actions that the Secretary of State was trying to do, such as ballot harvesting and allowing for ballots to show up up to two weeks after Election Day. Unfortunately, a lower court said, yeah, even though it's not in the state laws, it's a pandemic, and so you know we can uh, excuse the Secretary of State from changing uh, state law on this. We filed suit. We got it uh, in the Court of Appeals in, in the state of Michigan, and we blocked the uh, Secretary of State, Jocelyn Benson, from allowing ballot harvesting and allowing ballots to show up late after the election. Senator Nesbitt, two weeks ago on America's Roundtable, we hosted Charlie Waymers, member of European Parliament representing Sweden, and we discussed Sweden's unique approach during the COVID pandemic. Swedish government did not mandate wearing masks, and a number of Swedish towns actually banned the masks in February this year and have kept bars and restaurants mostly open. If we compare Michigan and Sweden, which have similar populations and fairly similar climate, Sweden with over over 10 million people had a total of 13,968 deaths with no mask requirement and restaurants that remained largely open. Michigan, with 9.9 million people, reported the total of 18,446 deaths on April 26. So Michigan, which had major COVID restrictions and placed tremendous burden on businesses and restaurants, had 4,478 more deaths than Sweden. Senator Nesbitt, what is the current situation with COVID in Michigan and what would your advice be to Governor Whitmer? Yeah, it's about trusting the, the individual instead of trusting the state. And I think too much of the time we saw during this pandemic that too much it was about shutting down the private sector instead of challenging the private sector to do what the right thing is and advising the population and having them make their own decisions and risk assessments. And we know who is most at risk during COVID pandemic. It's those that are older, those with underlying health conditions, vitamin D deficiencies, and that are overweight. And so this is something where common sense, unfortunately, isn't so common. And we saw throughout this time that so much of this command and control actually led to more deaths. And it's unfortunate to see that. And this is the challenge here in Michigan with Governor 
uh, Whitmer's ways is that, again, all this command and control that she's done, shutting down the economy, shutting down different parts of the economy, not explaining what her homework was for the decisions a year ago of saying canoes are okay, but pontoons need to be banned. Things like uh, casinos could open in first week of August, but my local arcades uh, couldn't open till October. She's not showing any of the science behind this. This is a failure to explain the science and data behind her decision-making. She's failed on the economy. She failed with her nursing home uh, policies of putting COVID-positive patients into nursing homes, keeping in-person classes closed for so long, and the impact on learning and the students' mental health. I had a, uh, a teacher commit suicide a few months ago because they weren't allowing back in-person classrooms. He was done with this virtual learning. And this is something where in Michigan a year ago, unlike the surrounding Great Lakes states like Wisconsin or Ohio or Indiana and Illinois, she closed down construction. Construction. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. And this is something that hurts the economy, it hurts people, and hurts families. And these decisions that she's made are wrong. Senator Nesbitt, our government is on an unsustainable path of constant increase of government spending. The most recent proposal of $1.8 trillion, or so-called American Families Plan, comes on top of $2.3 trillion within Infrastructure Bill and earlier $1.9 trillion COVID Relief Bill, in total $6 trillion of additional spending. And the national debt is over $28 trillion today. Now, to pay for this new program, Biden-Harris administration proposes to raise the top income tax rate from 37 to 39.6%. The top rate on capital gains and dividends would increase from the current 20 to 39.6%. In the infrastructure bill, there is also already a hike in corporate tax rate from the current 21 to 28%. And this all would be enforced by the significant expansion of the IRS which was proposed in the last bill. Senator Nesbitt, what are your thoughts about the spending spree by Biden-Harris administration and how will these tax hikes, if enacted, affect Michigan and America's economy? It's unsustainable. It's completely unsustainable. The spending that's leading to a huge inflationary increases around the economy, you're going to see that making individuals poorer instead of richer. Uh, instead of expanding government, we should be expanding freedom and free enterprise. This is going to make our nation poorer, not richer. And so this is the the challenge is that how do we compete and win in the 21st century for the next generation? And what the Biden-Harris administration, they're turning to the old playbook of socialist idealism, of command and control economy, taxing and spending, huge deficits, and it's the wrong course for America. America is supposed to be about individual freedom, individual liberty, and expanding opportunities for individuals, not contracting those opportunities. And what you'll see is that the poor will be hurt the most from these inflationary increases that you're going to see, and you, you see that with the rich uh, being able to benefit. And it's just, it's unsustainable, the path and the course that this administration is making. We would like to briefly discuss, and this would be our concluding question and topic, on the digital divide in America and affecting states across the country. And in fact, our engaged citizens are concerned about uh, this issue in light of the pandemic and how both education and healthcare, as well as workplaces, have experienced significant disruption. Uh, Senator Nesbitt, your leadership on this issue could impact both urban and rural areas in Michigan. And you mentioned the following for the state of Michigan. I quote, nearly half a million residents don't have reliable internet service or any internet service at all, unquote. Senator Nesbitt, how serious is the problem in Michigan and perhaps 
perhaps other states that you've observed? And will we witness the removal of this digital divide and create a level playing field for these key population groups and sectors? You're absolutely right. The Internet has become a necessity just to get buy in your day-to-day business. Some places like the uh, State's Unemployment Insurance Agency, for example, conduct most of their business online. You can't even visit them in, in person. And accessing that information, you need to acquire quality internet connection. Whether you're a student, a senior trying to do telehealth, or a parent trying to work from home, we just passed the, the House and Senate, sent some legislation to repeal one of the biggest government barriers for expansion of uh, broadband here in Michigan. It's what they called the personal property tax. You're taxed before you even have any uh, equipment uh, that's built out or lit or uh, any any services on there. And so the governor vetoed the first bill. The Senate, we just approved uh, last week a new bill. The House just uh, concurred with us. We're sending another bill on, and we're hopeful that the governor will sign it this time. But the governor seems to, instead of uh, trying to enhance private sector investment. You know, she only wants the government control of it. And so we're going to continue to fight. I think uh, we can close this digital divide. Uh, And I think the pandemic has really highlighted the need to address the lack of broadband. We have a great idea and and, uh, we're going to continue to push it. This weekend on America's Roundtable, we're joined by Michigan State Senator Eric Nesbitt, President Pro Tempore. For our listeners in Michigan, we're pleased to announce that Senator Nesbitt will join us for the Advancing Freedom event in West Michigan in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting, where he will lend his voice to the importance of rebuilding the conservative movement in Michigan and America. And Senator Nesbitt, we thank you very much for your principal leadership and for joining us on America's Roundtable. Thank you, Senator Nesbitt. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys in in another month and a half. And God bless all of you and all your listeners. God bless. Thank you so much, Senator. Thank you. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting's two FM radio stations in Michigan and the Midwest and Supertalk Mississippi Media's 12 radio stations in the South. We thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Jolan and Sami, your co-host, joined by Natasha Sardorich, economist and co-founder of the International Leaders Summit, and our distinguished guest host, Governor Phil Bryant. America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. brings together leading voices from business, government, media, technology, and the public policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, and Fireside. Visit iLeadersSummit.org. iLeadersSummit.org.